out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Donor Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you will never discuss in a film studies course except for this month. This is the last film of our anti-trash marathon that happens every January, and our last film is directed by female director Catherine Bigelow. Yes, indeedy, and we're going to be very intentional about minority voices uh, throughout the course of uh, this next year uh, with the Good Trash Media Network, but we're going to talk about Zero Dark Thirty today, and I'm very excited to be doing that with my illustrious co-hosts. Let's go ahead and give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. To my left, sir, who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and Dustin, can I be honest with you? I'm bad fucking news. I'm not your friend. That's that's true. Uh, you know, I already knew that. You didn't have to tell me anything. When you lie to me, I oh. hurt you. Thank you very much for that. Mr. Uh, across the Table, I almost gave the name away. I almost, like, flubbed the whole line. Who are you, sir? My name's Caleb Masters, and I'm living in the United States in a post-Trump society, and I'm not even supposed to be here today. Oh. Different movie, but it feels good. Feel, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm with that. Today is January 20th. Uh, the inauguration was today. It'll be heavy on our minds as we do our analysis, I'm sure, um, as, especially as I do my own analysis. My name is Dustin Sells, and when you lie to me, Caleb, I'm going to hurt you. God, I'm terrified. Caleb, when you step away from that laptop, he's going to hurt you. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm terrified, guys. <laughs> you get off that mat or that laptop for an inch, sir, I'm going to make you suffer. Uh, hold on. Hey, uh, this box, this box sucks, Caleb. <laughs> give me a second while I log off my porn and just back <laughs> away slowly. I love Jason Clark in this movie. He is. He is so, he's great. He's I, so good he's in this He's probably movie. the most underrated. I mean, there's a lot of great performances I love Jason here. He's Clark. underrated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he, uh, I, I, I really like him a lot. Yes, indeed. And before we get too far into our discussion of the film, we do want to warn the dear listener as to what we do on this show in case this is the first time you've tuned in to the Good Trash Genre Cast, brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network, uh, where we have a host of other great podcasts and film and pop culture material for you to listen to and look at and read or talk about. Uh, but what we do here is this. It is not a review show. It is an analysis show. And what that means is that we will be doing some spoilers. Turn uh, Well, golly bum. I, spoilers is kind of an interesting moot point. It's like the Argo thing. <laughs> spoilers, uh, Osama bin Laden gets assassinated, guys. That is how this movie ends. I don't know if you know this, Dustin, but the Mel Gibson film, The Passion of the Christ, it, it ends with <laughs> the Lord being stabbed in the side i yes. thought what are you i thought it was revisionist history he doesn't no no it's not like uh inglorious bastards at all oh damn no brad pitt does not show up and pull him off at the last second no no, no. well Fuck. then willem dafoe comes off all by himself and then crawls yeah. back on because yeah. that's how last temptation goes but nonetheless uh we will be doing some spoilers uh but that'll happen at the midpoint of the show these are your sort of warning uh bells and things to be paying attention to dear listener in order to avoid being spoiled too much uh we will give a synopsis from the voice of the dalton theater and then we will move right from that uh synopsis into our quick thumbs up thumbs down reviews from there we will begin to do a game which might involve mild spoilers from the film and perhaps mild spoilers from some of the other films that we might happen to mention and then once we get down to business that's when you're in spoiler land and you have now been warned so Without any further ado, Mr. Dalton Stewart, voice of the Dollar Cinema, of the Dalton Cinema, let's hear that synopsis. 
a chronicle of the decade-long manhunt for al-Qaeda terrorist Osama bin Laden after the September 2001 attacks and his death at the hands of the Navy SEALs Team 6 in May 2011. That's right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. That decade-long hunt and a decade-long film will now be reviewed uh, by my dear and illustrious co-host. I am going to go to you first, Mr. Caleb Masters. Uh, what did you think of your viewing experience of Zero Dark Thirty? I just want to start off by saying I'm really glad we watched this film again. Uh, I watched this film, you know, uh, when it came out. I actually had a press screen. It was right, like not too long after I started you know, writing movie reviews, and it was really impactful then. And I think, uh, again, <laughs> we're watching I watched this the day before the inauguration, and uh, really is having me be very introspective and kind of – and also looking back at kind of um, um, how f- rapidly America has changed in the last, you know, 10 years uh, and, and kind of what brought us to this point. So – I really like this movie a lot. I think it is too, a little too long. It drags on and on and on. And, and I know there's, there's that middle section's it. a little slow. Very slow. That doesn't mean there's not good stuff there. There is a lot of good. There's stuff. There's a lot yeah. of great stuff there. But it, the pacing and that was one of my criticisms of the film originally when my when I wrote I, my review. I, it just it just goes on. Yeah, it, and uh, it's not that it, again. I, I articulate. It's not that it's bad, but it, you know, pacing. There's just a pacing issue there. I know there's some behind the scenes stuff because spoilers. Uh, Osama bin Laden died while they were making this movie, so yeah, they had to rewrite it. That's the interesting thing about this film is its working title was Kill Bin Laden, which was supposed to be a kind of tongue-in-cheek title, because when this movie was in first in being written, he had not been caught yet. Um, and then literally as... I don't think they had started principal photography yet. I think they were still in pre-production, uh, was when he was killed. So they had to, yeah, basically rewrite large chunks of the movie from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, uh, Jessica Chastain, guys, killed all the performances in this movie. And, and, and these are this is not a character film. This is the only character that really matters is Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. But I think the movie uses her character as a way for us, the audience, to see the toll that the hunt bin Laden cost our nation. And I think it's yeah. really, really brilliant. Um, I know there's some people who have criticized the film for that reason, thinking that, you know, criticizing Chastain's character for being, you know, almost too empty. Like, there wasn't a lot to her because her whole role, I, she, very early in the film, she just becomes committed to finding Bin Laden. That is her sole purpose. And some people have criticized that, but I think it's a really great way for us to be introspective. And the film doesn't ultimately, I don't think the film really takes too heavy of a side either way, but I think it's just trying to show us an honest look at what went on here. And obviously there's some bias, implicit bias that's going to happen no matter what because, you know, Catherine Bigelow is making the movie. But ultimately I think Jessica Chastain's character is a great way for us to kind of be introspective and look at how we felt about that um, as individuals. So I think, Dustin, um, uh, t- to kind of wrap my review, this is a very important film. I think everyone who has grown up in a post-9-11 world should, should, see, the, should see the movie because it's that good. Excellent. Yeah, even if it's got problems. Right. Fair enough, fair enough. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you think of Zero Dark Thirty? This is the first time I'd watched the movie in its entirety. I'd seen, I'd watched maybe 20-minute chunks of it um, a couple of times since I first saw it in theaters, but this was the first time that I really sat down and uh, got into it uh, since I saw it in theaters. And, you know, parts uh, that move me then still move me. I think the opening of this film is really amazing. Um for those of you who didn't, did not watch it, I will go ahead and briefly say that the film opens on a black screen um, oh, with yeah. just simply the title September 11th, 2001. And it plays a series of real 911 calls and real recorded calls to loved ones on the day of the attack. And then immediately goes into torture. And I think it what that does, 
and we'll talk more about this, uh, of course, when we get to our discussion of the film, what I think that really does is frame the entire narrative of the film to remind you everyone who is doing these terrible things, and when I say terrible things, I mean the Americans, the CIA operatives um, who are doing terrible things in this film, are doing it for one reason and one reason only. They are committed to protecting the homeland. And you know that because they remind you that that is priority one about five times throughout the course of the movie. Which is, I wonder if that's a thing that CIA operatives really shout at each other, protect the homeland, which is... I, that, that sounds terrifying. It sounds it ridiculous. Does. It does sound ridiculous, but that is what... I mean, that is a thing they say to each other to keep things in perspective. And that's something that we're going to wrestle with as we talk about this film, is engaging with it as a work of media, as a work of art, as a work of entertainment and wrestle with it as a pseudo-historical document. Right. Uh, a document whose historicity, I don't know if that's a word. Uh, historicity. Thank you. Historicity is, uh, I knew you would know, uh, is dubious. There has been much in the intelligence com- community, much in the larger government sphere when this movie came out, there was a lot of debate about how much access the filmmakers had to CIA documents. There, there, there's been a lot of back and forth about it. I think what the common knowledge is is loosely based on true events, with the exception of the final 30 minutes, which uh, by all accounts does seem to be pretty much exactly what happened. Um, Everything between the opening and the end, though, is up for debate as to how much it happened. Uh, Jessica Chastain's character, Maya, as I recall, is a composite of one or two real people, two or three real people. Yeah, correct. um, With the personality inspired very much and demeanor inspired by one person, as I understand it. But I, I, I don't know. Um, it's been a long time since I've read any of that stuff. But moving forward, I just do want to say that I, I love this film. I, I don't like it as much as the first time I watched it, but I do I do love it. I, I think it's a very powerful film. I think it's an incredibly well-made film. Catherine Bigelow directs the shit out of this movie, with, again, the exception of some pacing issues that we talked about. That that last sequence is one of the oh, it's incredible. most amazingly shot things that I've ever seen, uh, especially from, again, somebody who's something of an action nerd. It is one of the best shot action scenes that at the same time does not function as an action scene whatsoever. It that's it doesn't. But it is. I mean, it is shot like an action scene, and yet the craft of the film is such that you don't... It, it reminds me um, of uh, Ava DuVernay's film Selma. When, when they march across the bridge, a more, a more recent film that also had a lot of clout, um, not as much as it should have in my opinion, but uh, Correct. that's not a conversation for today. Uh, Ava DuVernay shoots the marching across the bridge like an action scene, but it does not function as an action scene. And I I think uh, I wanted to bring that up because I feel like both of these directors do a very similar thing with the action in their respective films, which is to highlight the real worldness through the Hollywood language that we understand. And I think that's very interesting. But again, uh, in in summation, I think it's a very, very good film that I I like dearly. And if you have not seen it, I'm with Caleb. If you are, you know, a member of the same generation as Caleb and I, um, you you were 10 years old or younger when 9-11 happened. This is a movie you should have watched already. If you and if you haven't, you're doing yourself a disservice, I think. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Um, my my uh, views of the film are um, very similar to what we've already heard so far. And uh, I, I'm interested to hear what you think. I know you, you and I spoke briefly off air, and you mentioned that you did like it. I do. Um, I know because you and I have been recording this podcast since this movie came out. Right. You were very resistant to this film I because really you was. thought it was something else. I did. I well, I, I thought it was. I thought it was something like an art action movie. You mm-hmm. know, and it's really not that. Uh, it is. Honestly, it's a procedural. Exactly. That's. I mean, uh, Roger Ebert called it a uh, a, a sort of a world scale police procedural. 
But uh, my viewing of it is uh, as a person who was 20 years old when all these events began to unfold. And so uh, I, I was in college, and I, I went to a – basically, I was in the library at the university I was doing my undergrad at, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody told me planes hit a building. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I, the first words out of my mouth was, that happened in the 40s once, the Empire State Building. That's terrible, but that's my first thought. Then we went and found a TV, and I watched the second plane hit. And as many Americans as did. As many Americans did. And had that feeling of, holy cow, this, this, is, this is a thing that's happening. And so it does set up well the rage. It does set up well the, the sort of framing for uh, The confusion more the than confusion, the rage. Yeah. The confusion, yeah. The anger and not knowing what to do with it, I think, right. is a better way to, to say it than just the rage, I think, in my opinion. And I, but I think Chastain's character captures that sort of almost maniacal focus mm-hmm. you know, that we, we, we receive afterward. And uh, so, I, in that way, it's brilliant. Again, I think I think Chastain's performance is great. I, I, other, you know, we could talk about the long list of actors. I think Kyle every, Chandler's great. Yeah, yeah Chris I mean, Pratt's good. You yeah. know, I mean, it, it, it's uh, Joel Edgerton's good. Joel Edgerton, Joel, yeah, Joel, yeah, I my, forgot he was in this. My uh, boy Frank Grillo yeah, for Frank, about five lines of he dialogue. He was in the movie. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot of good stuff to to be said about it. But for me, though, I guess what I would say is this: it is not high art. It is no, definitely good trash. And so it is. It's a, it's a middle brow. Uh, Action movie. It's an action movie for liberals, uh, as action movies typically are for uh, more conservative audience. They tend to have a more conservative viewpoint. I'm thinking about some words Andrew Spicer has said uh, about these sort of things, mm-hmm. but it's it, it, it's a it's a more liberal version of an action. Well, film. and th- there's a reason. Uh, Complexity. La- year before last or last year's film, I forget the exact release date. The Benghazi film that Michael Bay did was it, it was very often called the the right wing or the Republican Zero Dark Thirty. Right. Because it was trying to do that same kind of thing. Well, and again, that was interesting With about less that, talent, in my those opinion. Those movies tend to be that. I mean, again, exactly. look at a Michael Bay film. You look at The Rock. You look mm-hmm. at... Uh, Bad Boys 1 and 2. Yeah, there, there's all there's all a really kind of steady, conservative you know, mm-hmm. sort of viewpoint that's working. And the, and the action genre sort of lends itself towards that. I mean, all the way back to, if you consider the Western to be an action film of, yeah. the, of the 50s and 60s, John Wayne's work there is mm-hmm. very very much you know more nationalist more mm-hmm. more more jingoistic and those sort of things mm-hmm. and, and and this film is an attempt to not do that yeah uh in the action genre but with a lot of police procedural wrapped around it in mm-hmm. order i think to make it uh seem more complex now i don't know how complex it really ends up being we'll have a conversation mm-hmm. about that but it, it, when it comes all down to the end of it, I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun, um, even though it's horrific at points. Yeah. But it is. It does provide uh, a sense of entertainment. It provides it, something to wrestle with. Something too. to wrestle with. It also is a. It's a, it's a. I mean, it's a great thriller. We're we're trying to hunt. You know, Buffalo Bill. Uh, you know, the real life, but uh, a terrible, terrible. Well, there's terrible more person. comparisons to that. Will come up later. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, so it has very much a Silence of the Lambs kind of feel to it. And in the same, in some of the same ways that I love Silence of the Lambs. Um, which I do think is a better film than this. Um, I would agree with that, yeah. But, but it, 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 that's the sort of pleasures it provides, if that makes sense. So, uh, well, there you go, dear listener. Now you know uh, where we're coming from. I think, though, now it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. This week's game, uh, based on some news that we have received recently, that the next it's not that recent. 
well, it's been in talks for a couple years. A but. couple years, but Catherine Bigelow uh, is going to be working on another film, which is about the DNC riots, Ooh, which is really interesting. Very interesting. And so the Gist Week's game is uh, real world events you would like to see made into film by Catherine Bigel- Bigelow. So I'm going to go to you first, Dalton. Uh, what are your selections for real world events you'd like to see made into film by one Miss Catherine Bigelow? So I thought about this, uh, and I decided to keep it U.S. centric for the reason that you know these two films. Uh, the, the film that's yet to be released in Zero Dark Thirty and, by extension, Hurt Locker, um, are, are all films about the United States experience to some extent. Um, so I thought about that, and I thought, well, what, what can assuming Mark Bull continues to work with her, because uh, he's, I believe, a journalist by trade. I know they were actually working on a film uh, about Bo Bergdahl, and a lot of that research ended up being part of uh, Mark Bull's research, ended up being part of Serial Season 2. Uh, but uh, Mark Bull, I believe, is a journalist by trade, and you, Caleb is backing me up on that, so I'm going to go with it. So I'm thinking, like, wh- what are some things that are really heavily covered by journalists, um, but also lend themselves to Catherine Bigelow's flair and eye for action? So one of the first things that came to mind uh, was actually, uh, again, thinking about films that I like. I thought about Silence of the Lambs, and I thought about, hmm, what is another serial killer film that I would like to see? And then I started thinking about Catherine Bigelow, and I haven't decided yet. I know I want one. Zodiac's already been made, and it was fantastic, and I love every second of it. And so I decided, well, what do we want? Do we want an uncaught killer, or do we want a caught killer? And I, I couldn't decide for sure. So I, I'm i going to go with... Bundy tentatively, uh, Catherine Bigelow directing The Hunt for Bundy, Okay. tentatively also The Green River Killer, which I think would be a very interesting one as well. I forget uh, that guy's name, but uh, it's not important. I felt very strongly you were going to say BTK. And I thought about BTK. Uh, he's such a fucking nerd, though. Um, <laughs> he's just not worth talking about. It's, uh, I think it's half the fun, though, with how, how surprising What a fucking schlubby douchebag. I mean, again, we're talking about serial killers. They're all schlubby douchebags at the Correct. end of the day. But uh, that that's one that I think is interesting, but I want all or nothing. I want somebody that was caught while they were doing it. Uh, and that, Green River Killer is a little bit of that in that he went uncaught for so fucking long. But he never went inactive like BTK did. BTK right. went full-on inactive and then just got caught because he was showing off at the end. Uh, so I haven't fully decided, but I really think something focusing on uh, the, the world of the serial killer hunt and potentially a based on a true story, uh, that's always a, a hard thing to do. Uh, if you're going to make a film about a serial killer, to do one about a real guy. Because it's, it's much more troubling. Well, you don't want to make your villain your hero. Absolutely. Especially in those kind of cases. Absolutely. So that 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 was one I thought about. The other one of the other things I thought about, um, and God help me, I can't remember the actual name of the concert, but it was the concert that the Rolling Stones put on, where the security was done by the Hell's Angels. Um, Altamont. Altamont. Thank you. I kept wanting to say Anaheim. I'm like, no, that's where Disneyland is. Altamont, which was a free con- uh, concert in California that the Rolling Stones put on, and some genius decided it'd be a great idea to have the Hell's Angels do security, and it turned into a full-on riot. That's a little too close to what she's doing with the DNC movie, but I still think it would be very interesting. Um, th- those were the two things that really came to mind for me. A couple of fluffy answers, no real concretes for me, but those were things that I thought about, that I thought that might be interesting. Excellent, excellent. I like that very much, Mr. Dalton Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your selections? I would love to see Catherine Bigelow remake any single film made by about America, made by Peter Berg or Michael Bay. Any single one. You want to know why? 
I want to see this because Catherine Bigelow, despite having having a liberal bias, it's there. It's there. Like she does, she slightly, oh so slightly, but she strives to be a non-biased voice, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But I, I really believe she strives to be as as objective about these scenarios and these historical journalistic. As possible. Yes, journalistic. Right. And I think Mark Bull's writing helps with that. Very much so. Peter Berg also directed Lone Survivor, which is a novel that's based off of the one guy who survived from this incident, a guy who was making money off his book, who is now making tons of money off that movie, who, guess what, writes himself as the hero of the story, who is played by Mark Wahlberg, where all of his other play-by-A-list actors die. And I'm sorry, guys, I'm sorry. I, I, and I respect people who live and bleed for this country. I have some issues with why, why they're there. But, like, these people are sacrificial, and it's very important that we respect them. Uh, but at the same time, you understand whenever whenever we are being marketed to, whenever people are making films about celebrating this martyrdom, and we're pa- it, it's the way we paint the people we're fighting yeah, is the biggest is the biggest problem. It, it, it's troubling because ultimately, at the end of the day, the people we're fighting aren't caricatures. They they're are people. They're, they are people. They are in a very dark, not stable society that has caused them to be, be led to believe that fighting Americans. Uh, Westerners, ge- Western, Westerners yeah. uh, is the right thing to do, and I think ultimately by painting people this way, whether it be, um, in, you know, in Patriots Day or whether it be uh, in Lone Survivor, especially Lone Survivor, that yeah. one made me real angry. Uh, or or even um, thirteen hours, thirteen hours, the, yeah, the... or American Sniper painting these people as caricatures, guys. It's not okay. We're, it's we're not, not even okay. bothering to, and I think in the with the case of. Uh, American Sniper not even bother to paint them sometimes. No, which is even more troubling. Th- they're just they're just blank caricatures yeah. that are so, there so to what cause problems. What you're wanting is Catherine Bigelow to take some of these the, these more military centric American yeah. stories, I but see, try to give them some nuance. I want to I want to see her make. Uh, I would love to see her make Lone Survivor. I'd love to see her make even going outside of 9/11 and post 9/11 world. I'd love to see her remake Pearl Harbor, uh, a movie that I actually guilty pleasure i kind of liked it because i watched it when i was a kid and it really clicked and i think michael bay does some really fun stuff you know for a 12 year old yeah uh i would love to see her tell that story though tell world war ii from a japanese perspective um i would love to see that that film made um even going back as far as the patriot like what was the conflict like between us and britain that is a movie that i completely forgot was directed uh by by roland emmerich until recently yeah and 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 it's a fun movie i like the patriot but it is but it's dumb and it is incredibly one-sided it's incredibly stupid Uh, yeah uh so i would uh, catherine bigelow brings the nuance she brings the research she brings that journalistic integrity and again, that strive for objectivity. Her, her partnership with Mark Bull has been really interesting. Exactly, and and so apologize for the anger. These things frustrate me. I I have lost a lot of sleep overnight thinking about these these types of things that have permeated American culture and American cinema. But I want some Catherine Bigelow to make films like this because I think these films are trying to challenge viewers versus films that are trying to feed us what we want to hear about ourselves. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Um, I would also like to suggest another Democratic uh, National Convention and uh, some of the hoopla around it as a film for uh, Ms. Bigelow to tackle, and that is to tackle the late 40s. Franklin Delano Roosevelt had several vice presidents, three of them over Mm -hmm. his four terms. Uh, One of them was a man called Henry Wallace, who was Bernie Sanders of the 1940s. 
was absolutely the Bernie Sanders of the 40s. He was Department of Agriculture uh, Secretary for a long time, definitely a working poor. He ran for president later under the what was called the Progressive Party uh, ticket at the time, but very, very much a democratic socialist of of much earlier era. But uh, there was a uh, weird thing happening in the convention. It got weirdly brokered in a way uh, the last term that uh, Roosevelt was elected, and a guy called uh, Harry S. Truman was instead nominated uh, and uh, placed on the ticket as vice president. Of course, Truman won, or rather, well, Truman won along with Roosevelt. Roosevelt won and brought Truman along. I guess that's how presidents and vice presidents work, right? And uh, Well, it was after Jefferson, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right, correct. Uh, and uh, so, interestingly, though, as uh, that all happened, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, died in office, mm-hmm. and Harry S. Truman was much more of a uh, big military neoliberal and uh, oh 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 do tell yeah, mr Jules dropped the bomb two bombs on nagasaki and hiroshima yeah yeah, yeah. so so it did some things uh we would have had a different world i'm cu- yeah had the vice I presidential candidate totally that, forgotten about this that roosevelt wanted been his vice president and had uh, he become president um after roosevelt's death i i i, I would like to see uh, Bigelow take on those those smoky corridors and rooms and uh, conversations with party bosses mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. I think that'd be fascinating. That is really interesting. Yeah, and, and she excels at that. She, her yeah. conversation. She she excels at writing. She shoot. She shoot. Well, she doesn't write the conversation though. Again, Mark. As far as I know, Mark Bull is the sole credited screenwriter on uh, her last two films. But she shoots the hell out of them. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. not always easy to shoot a conversation, especially when it's a very wordy scene. And I think she does a very good job of keeping the camera dynamic in those smoky corridors, as you you put it. And so I, w- I would like to see that. I think that would be interesting. interesting. And it's a n- neat piece of American history that uh, we forget mm-hmm. um, way too easily. Well, I think I think that's why I'm, I'm really excited about this DNC movie, because it's something that I doesn't get talked I, I mean, th- over the last two years, it's come up a lot more. Um, but it definitely doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, the other event um, is the September 11th event. Uh, September 11th in uh, the 1950s, uh, when uh, the, the CIA uh, sent operatives into Chile. And uh, overthrew Salvador Allende's uh, democratically elected government. Uh, again, it was a socialist, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, government did not feel like that was the best thing. Uh, there was a military coup, uh, and when the junta took over, they placed uh, Augusto Pinochet into power, who reigned in terror for 40 years nearly. And uh, so I don't know if we simply want to talk about the coup the rise to power, the reign of terror. I don't know what we want to handle, but I want to see her do this. So there you go, dear listener. Those are some of our picks. What are some historical moments you'd like to see directed by Catherine Bigelow? Let us know via the magical means that we all know as social media. Dalton, tell us all the things about all the medias. I'll do my best. Uh, first and foremost, you can find us on Facebook.com at Facebook.com forward slash Good Trash Media. You're using Facebook? I'm not using Facebook, but the listener might be. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, which I am actually using, uh, twitter.com at good underscore trash. Uh, again, those are both where you can find us for all the content we put out under the Good Trash Media umbrella. You can also, if you are interested in giving us money, you never have to and you never will have to. But if you are inclined to do so, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, we're getting ready to do some restructuring over there, so maybe don't give us a whole bunch of money because you might be getting different rewards soon. But if you want to start, a dollar is a good place to start at. But there is going to be some some restructuring there soon. Um, but you can go over there, find out more about what our goals are and things like that. And finally, you can find this show 
uh, on iTunes and all of our shows on iTunes. And if you could rate, review, and subscribe, uh, that's it's a huge help. It, it really does make us more visible. Um, we, we've had something of a plateau of late, so if, if you can do that, it would mean the world to us. If, if you were a frequent or even semi-frequent listener and you're not already subscribed and haven't already written a review, I, I, we would appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me. Excellent. Me, Thank, just, just, just to Dalton. To me personally. Actually, yeah. to me as well. Uh, and the reviews are good. They help us. Feedback's good, guys. It helps us out. Yeah, it's excellent. So there you go, dear listener. Now you know how to keep the conversation going. But guys, guess what? It's time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business time. Oh, 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 yeah. So for this week's uh, show, we we talked a little bit. We decided we're going to do kind of a roundtable. Yeah, Dustin? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good idea. Okay. Because we all have things to say about the... We basically have three different themes that we wanted to talk about, but we kind of all wanted to talk about them. And therefore, we thought, well, instead of just simply trying to give one person as a presenter and then trying to get our feedback into it, why don't we just set it up more as a discussion? Okay. So let's begin, first of all. Um, well, we're going to save the Big E on the I chart uh, for the end and the discussion of torture. But let's begin, in this uh, case, with this conversation about Jessica Chastain's uh, Maya character and the depiction of femininity in uh, her as a person. What do you guys think? So we, we talked about this, especially you and I, Dustin, we've talked about this, but I know Caleb has come up with you as well. But we've talked a, a lot about, and I, I hate that Alex isn't here with us today to talk about yeah, this. Because I really wanted to hear her perspective. But um, I will do my, my best to, to present uh, what I, I think are the, 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 the feminist merits of this film. The uh, really great film critic Josh Larson, who's the uh, co-host of Film Spotting, uh, back when he reviewed this film, made a really good point about about the usage of Jessica Chastain in this film to to the extent, you know, coming off of films like The Tree of Life and coming off of films like Take Shelter, where much is made of her very ethereal beauty. I mean, she is a very beautiful person, um, but she is she's very slight. She's short. She's kind of uh, she's very thin. She has a very angular features. She is. But also there's a softness to her face and her voice. Um she is extremely feminine, and I think what's interesting a lot of the time when you have, especially if you look at the films of uh, Catherine Bigelow's ex-husband James Cameron with his female action heroes uh, like Vasquez and Aliens or um, his other love interest in real life, Linda Hamill, in the Terminator films or even uh, later on uh, Michelle Rodriguez in the film Avatar, you're, you're talking about women that are very butch. They're very muscular, um, which is super cool, um, but it's a different kind of lady action hero, right? It, it, it is a lady action hero that fits into uh, male ideas of toughness, if that, if, if that rings true yeah, to you. Ladies that, that, yeah, ladies who are dudes. I mean, I, I hate putting it that way. But the, it's kind of what you're it, saying, it, though, right? Women who fit into masculine archetypes of the action hero. Yes. What is interesting about Maya, Jessica Chastain's character, is that she doesn't. She uses the the her high pitched voice like when she reads uh, uh, Kyle Chandler the Riot Act, she doesn't like let her voice not crack. It goes loud and it goes high, and she says, "You don't know Al Qaeda, and you don't fucking know Pakistan. You're going to be the only station chief to be brought in front of a congressional committee to say you subverted the attempt to capture or kill Bin Laden." Her voice goes through the roof, and she doesn't try to bring it down here and be all Clint Eastwood about it. Right. It goes high, and it cracks, and it says, yes, I am a lady in this world that 
for 40 years was run by men, but God damn it, I'm here and I'm the smartest person in the room and you're going to fucking listen to me because you know that I'm right. And the only reason you are not listening to me is because this is the hard path. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, now, again, there is obviously some some uh, moments that make me think of Lynn Hamill at the end of the movie where she's looking like a badass in her aviators. Right. But the film never shies away from from how photogenic she is. And and again, not not that beauty is inherently feminine and vice versa, but there is a, certainly a correlation in our media that I think the film does very smartly plays with. And I would say in, in this as a comment, not, not so much as a pushback, but just as a uh, sort of a mediating um, idea, uh, because I think overall you're absolutely correct that, that she is very feminine and that femininity is, is the big part of what goes on. Um, as the film opens with the torture sequences, uh, we see her initially blanching at that a little bit. That and I think her blanching has more to do with her newness. Well, it has to do with her newness, and it also has to do with the fact that and I, I think the film sort of indicates this, that anybody would blanch would blanch at this moment at the least and she very quickly quote-unquote toughens up yeah and and and, and 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 does something more like the stoic male but i think what's i gotta do it i gotta and, do and i'm thing. gonna push back against you again i like what you're saying what i think that speaks to is her 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 toughening not in a masculine sense but her toughening as in you know the, the way your hands toughen after hard work that she calluses more than she toughens Fair, to, to yeah. move it into a different language, because she she never changes her personality, but she changes what she where the line is for her, because it is always still uh, even when she's like getting in a dude's face like uh, with an interrogation, there is a softness to it, and and I find that very interesting. I think another great scene that more speaks to what you're talking about is when Harold um, Perrineau. I always forget how to say his last name. Um, it's a, it's a tough one to crack. The dude from Lost, uh, yes. when he's when after her friend has been killed in this bombing. Oh, we're talking about Link or Mercutio, as who? Yes, yeah, okay. Mercutio. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Man, that's what I always. Or think Link. Of. Yeah, yeah give that, me up top. That's what I'm always thinking of. When uh, I'm the, the operator. Yeah, I do think about him shouting Walt yeah. when he shows up after her friend's been killed. Uh, he's like, "So what are you going to do?" And she delivers a fucking tough guy line. I'm going to find everybody involved in this op. I'm going to smoke him, and then I'm going to kill Bin Laden. But it's still with her very soft. She doesn't like mm-hmm. try to gravel it up. It's with her right. very soft voice, and it's. I, I I just like that Catherine Bigelow and Mark Bull. But again, this this gets more into if we're going to subscribe to auteurism, which is a a, a landmine that I try to avoid. It's a troubled idea because it's it is because there's a lot of people that worked on this, and auteurism's fun when it's a great movie and troubling when it's a bad movie, and. But anyway, if we're going to to credit a lot of this to Bigelow, I, I think what's interesting about what she chooses to do, um, but w- and again with autourism, now we're discrediting Jessica Chastain's choice as a performer, right? So what they as a team do, I should say, is they never shy away from Maya's femininity, even when she is fucking laying it down. And again, I think that's really bold, and I think it, I think it needs to be done because it says you can be effective. You can work in a quote-unquote man's job. You can work in a quote-unquote tough job without changing who you are. Now, again, we're going to get more into the changing who you are in a moral way. That's a whole different discussion that we're going to talk about in a second. But I just wanted to speak to the, the gender issues present in this film because I think they're fascinating. One of my favorite scenes in this movie is uh, when Chris Pratt's like, so do you really think he's there? And she's like, you know what, dude? I didn't want to fucking use you with your dip and your Velcro and your gear bullshit. That's a, just a great I want to send I want to drop a bomb. And he said they might not be him, and also there's kids there, so I can't do that. So fine, I'll send you in. 
Like, I, I love her just like, I don't need you. Men are not needed for this. We have bombs. Like, right. I get it. You can do 100 pull-ups. Like, we don't need you. We have a computer that shoots a bomb. I, I love that. Yeah, it, is, it is an interesting moment. Yeah. It's a really interesting moment where it says, like, you were my gun. I'm the one that pulled the trigger. You remember that. And I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And it keeps the focus on her. Because, again, the movie keeps cutting back to her in the situation room. Yes, it's for the last bit of the film does switch over to Joel Edgerton and Chris Pratt and their team for quite a bit. But it keeps reminding you, this is Maya's op. She's the one that made this happen. And, I again, I find that very interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I absolutely agree. And I do think it's an interesting uh, take on a female character uh, in the action film. Now, I know, Caleb, you were very excited to talk about this film in terms of its post-9-11 status. And uh, so, uh, I guess, go, kick us off. Uh, what do you want to say about this film as a post-9-11 uh, bit of cinema? Well, I, I think it's really important because this film is long. It was made long enough after 9-11 we would have time to reflect on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, here, I, here's what's happened. And, and I know, for, again, just to jump in really quick, I think that's part of what troubles you about Patriots Day and even, to some extent, Deepwater Horizon is the immediacy with which these films were made, yeah? There, there, there is a distinction here. This is, not a film that makes you, this is not a film that makes you want to feel good. And, and yes, it, it, it did come out literally just over a year after the successful operation of Kill Bin Laden. Yes. But it is also very much about 9-11, and it had yes. been 10 years. Yes, it had been 10 years, and I think that's a very important distinction to make because we had – I mean, at that point, you're, you're getting to the point where we're almost a generation ahead of 9-11. You, you, you know, we're far enough removed where, again, if you were there, obviously, it's still – and it's still – all of us around this table. It is a very emotional experience. Well, we're far enough ahead, as Mark Strong points out, that he – or no, as Kyle Chandler points out, he might not even be fucking alive anymore. And if he is, he's probably not really the number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're so far ahead, the boogeyman almost died on his own. Well, and, that, and that's and that's that's the thing. Uh, and I, I, that was a great line because there was a point in American history where we said, "Were we all collected?" We're like, "Well, what if he's already dead?" I remember thinking those thoughts. I was like, "What if he is already? What if we've already yeah. killed him and we're just fighting a war because, because?" And guess what? We still did. We fought a war be- because. Uh, and I think this movie hits on that really well because ultimately, at the end of the day, what you're looking at is is a a tragedy a, a a an absolute a terrorist attack evil the evilest of evil things that could happen to any nation across the world that we've seen in other done in other countries since then recently well, in now, France well watching this film god this film is so different watching it in a a, a post uh, so self-proclaimed islamic state world i mean because when this movie came out that wasn't a thing yet yeah it Man, it's a different movie it, altogether. It, it certainly gives the impression that killing Bin Laden did didn't nothing. really was not a game changing move in any way. No, in fact, well, it might have actually made things and worse. We'll it was a morale booster, perhaps. Well, and, and that's me, not nothing for me. That's what makes the ending of this movie, which I always loved, work even better. Oh, oh, the, the ending of this movie is perfect, Dalton. So I, yeah, Jessica Chastain sits down she, in front. She she gets on the C one thirty and she's like, "Where do you want to go?" And it cuts back to her, and she's sitting in front of a red cargo net that looks just enough like an American flag to not be too on the nose, and weeps. Mm-hmm. And and not like a stifled, like, tough cry, like like a very human pain cry, like, did it even fucking, like, just realizing, oh, I got what I wanted, and I don't feel any differently. Does vengeance really fulfill does getting Bin Laden fix what happened? This is a real question we have to ask ourselves. And this movie is ask is begging us to ask in the movie because Jessica Chastain, who is the, the the eyes and ears of this movie for the viewer, mm-hmm. we are witnessing that is her sole. The goal. person telling us this is the most important thing we can do. Correct. 
almost to the extent of saying this is protecting the homeland. Like I, I'm not, I don't care about stopping imminent attacks. I care about cutting off the head. Yes. And then realizing I don't feel any differently. The no. movie has very much a, uh, a long storied classical sense with revenge narratives. It yes. feels very much like the Count of Monte Cristo. Yes. Uh, for instance, uh, Dumas novel or the Duke of Easel movie is really good too. That's uh, my only exposure and I haven't seen it in 10 years. Probably. Yeah. And it, it, it's a great little movie and it, it has a, the movie does tend to have more of a note of, eh, I've got my justice, now I can move on. Mm-hmm. And not not so much as what the novel does, which it leaves him to an extent broken because he's been so consumed by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the film, like the novel, does give that sense to Chastain's character. The, the film Zero Dark Thirty, not the yeah. film. The, yeah, the film Zero Dark Thirty. Well, Correct. And I, and I think that's what Catherine Bigelow is trying to get at. And, and Dustin, I would love to hear, hear everyone's, and Dalton, I'd love to hear everyone's take on, on kind of the reading of this film's biases. But I, I really think at the end of the day, she is challenging the narrative revenge story, which is, guys, and it, we all, and I would argue that most of us were really in on it. We thought Bin Laden was the boogeyman. We thought this was the ultimate evil. But by killing this guy, by, by ending this terrorist threat, this was going to be the the end of our conflict and uh, and obviously uh, you've already mentioned it the, the Islamic State ISIL is has already become a thing and and at the end of the day Jessica Chastain is left very hollow very very hollow by yes I got the, and there's a, this great moment where she sees the body at the end of the movie and it's it's really moving because she just looks at it and you and see it, her feel nothing she feels nothing she, this guy she's obsessed for for a decade trying to catch there's no vindication no none. And it's weird because we know that the history that's followed. Yeah. And and I, I don't I, I I apologize for getting very overly political in this particular episode, but this is very close to what is I, I believe has driven us to where we're at today. I mean, it's important. This is recent history, and we're 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 at a point where we're very I, I think as a nation we're very confused and not sure what we're what we're looking for anymore. And and this movie and but but for so long we were united behind let's get Bin Laden. Let's get the terrorist threat. And at the end of the well, day, no, we, 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 it gave us something that we hadn't had in, in a generation. It gave us a bad guy. Yes, we, a bad so guy. it gave us something we hadn't had since the end of the Cold War. Since the Nazis and not only well, since since the since the Soviet Union, and the Cold War, and more than that, it gave us and, and it was it was more less complicated than a, a war of ideology with the Soviet Union. It was you know what we do a lot of bad stuff, but you know what we don't do we don't intentionally kill civilians. So that's what it gave us. It gave us a very bad person, and it said not only is it not ideologically complicated, not only is it nation versus nation, it's nation versus one guy. It simplified a much more complex narrative that has to do with literally a 100 years of Western intervention in the Middle East. Literally a 100 years. Uh, I mean, you can go back to the British expansion into uh, the northern parts of Egypt and uh, southern parts of Saudi Arabia during World War One, uh, with T.E. Lawrence, uh, you know, being very famous for that. But I mean, it starts there. It starts with the British uh, teaming up with um, the, the Bedouin tribes, and it starts with their fights against the Ottoman Turks. And it just keeps going and going, and then it goes forward into uh, the Shah in Iran, and it goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes forever. And it all comes back to Sticking your nose where it doesn't fucking belong. Well, and cycles of violence, which we have talked exactly. about. We talk about I mean, endlessly on the endlessly show. Endlessly on the show. I mean, so many episodes. And and it's important to remember that just because we catch the boogeyman doesn't mean we really get what we want. And I think this movie, 
overall, just to kind of put a pin in, in, in my thoughts uh, on, on his post-9-11 message, which is that bad things have been have happened to the United States, and that is very important to remember. And it's not it's it's very important to remember the the suffering that happened. But at the end of the day, how we handle that is what defines us. And and what I would want to tag on again, because I, as I was jumping in, the, I would like to put a pin in the thought that bad things that do happen don't happen in a vacuum. Right. No. And that's something that I know I talk about a lot. But the, the, the course of human history is always echoed by what came before. And it all, I mean, it, it starts with... The, the Roman expansion into Gaelic territory, right? It starts with, I mean, it goes and it starts with Persian expansion into the Mediterranean. It goes and goes, and the tale of human history is conflict over resources and how that conflict begets more conflict because you can trace the people that are in power and the nations that are in power all the way back to those uh, pre-common era conflicts. They go all the way back. You can do the math from the Persian Empire and the Roman Empires to the Ottoman Turks, to the Russian Empires, to the German Empires, to the English Empires. All, the math checks out. It's pretty easy to do. You can watch the Celts go to the British Isles from mainland Europe. You can watch them come back. It just—nothing happens in a vacuum. Well, and, it, and where and we're it, at today, mm -hmm. where we're at today, Inauguration Day— um, can be traced back to 9-11, which, to your point, can yeah. be traced all the way back to the Celts. Like, it's very—history is very important. Yeah, and again, it's, nothing happens in a vacuum, right? Action begets action. Um, Dustin, are, or do you have any thoughts you want to share about post-9-11 America? Okay, in that case, we will move into our final discussion topic, uh, which, Dustin, I know it's something that you, you very much want to talk to, and something we've all talked about a little bit, but I know, Dustin, it was one thing you definitely want to make sure we brought to the table— is the ethics of torture in this film? Is this film pro-torture? Or is it anti-torture? Or is, or it, is neither? it neither? And what is the net result then? You know, net gain, net loss of of such a position. Um, now, Dalton, I, I understand that your position is that you think this is an anti-torture film. You're like with Michael Moore, who felt like it was a uh, a strong indictment of the use of torture. That's my problem, is I don't think it's a strong enough indictment. Okay. I, th I think it's an, a, a soft indictment of torture. Yeah, go I, on. I, I think what it says is, and again... As I mentioned earlier, and I think this is the good time to bring it back up, this film is not a historical document. It is a film. We, the common concept, con consensus, I almost said conception, the common consensus in the intelligence community is that torture, and I, I refuse to fucking call it enhanced interrogation, torture did not lead to the location of Osama bin Laden. That is the through line, and... I will accept common wisdom for the purpose of this conversation. I think even the common wisdom, uh, that argument could be talked about for another hour, but that's not what this podcast is. I think, though, and the point I would made to you earlier is that, uh, fine, torture wasn't used in the immediate years leading up to that, yeah. but it was used in years prior to that. And again, what the intelligence community says poison is... Poison fruit, though. There, there is, exactly, the poison fruit. And that's, but I, I think for the purpose of this conversation, we will agree with you, because this film presents there is a direct A to B line between torture, because torture is how they found out about the courier, and the courier is how they got Bin Laden. So, for the purposes of this discussion, we will say in the real world, the answer is no. We know we tortured, but the intelligence community says that's not how we got Bin Laden. For the purposes of this film, we will say it is how we got Bin Laden, and that's where I want to draw the line. Sure. 
I think the problem is, I think you can have a film that says torture is how we got Bin Laden without it being pro-torture, right? I think the problem is the film says torture is bad because it breaks Jason Clark. I mean, literally bra- breaks him to the point where it took his monkeys getting killed and he was like, I'm fucking out. I can't I do this anymore. This, yeah. it, th- it took, it, that was a straw that broke the camel's back. These monkeys were all I had that made me feel like a real person. And that's the thing. He says, I want to go be, be in the world again. I want to be a person. I got to do something normal for a while. That's what it is. I got to do something normal for a while. I can't. I've seen too many guys' dicks. Like, I, I got to go. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't, again, I don't feel like it takes the hard enough stance because it, it, the only tacit admission that it's wrong that we get is um, them watching Obama um, as the changing of the guard happens. And the film is not very interested with who's in charge at the time. Nah. Only to the extent that it affected how they did their jobs. Um, and with the start of the Obama administration and the very hard no torture line that he took, they go, well, fuck, what are we going to do now? It is but implied that their job is made harder because now they can't torture. Exactly. Right. And that's the only tacit, even that, that's a tacit admission uh, because him being in power at the time of the film and him being the president who got the the star next to his name that said, I got Bin Laden, his final word is say in the film, right? So with uh, President Obama being the one that says we don't torture, that that to me is the ethical line in the film. However, there's still multiple lines, uh, both from Mark Strong and Jessica Chastain, saying, "Well, you." They never say they say you got rid of the de- detainee program. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. So how the fuck are we supposed to get human intelligence? I don't know. With a wiretap, do your job. Right. We've done human intelligence for a long time. We're good at it. Mm-hmm. We're real. We're real good at it, guys. I don't know if you know this. Human intelligence is something – in the intelligence community, human intelligence is human sources. Right. And Jessica Chastain says, well, you can't just give somebody a bribe to come in off the street like you could in the Cold War. You have to torture them. You have to black bag them and take them to a black site. Because ideology and their radicalization yeah. prevents money from being yeah. a, a, a proper motivator. Good good carrot. You know, and that's, you can only use a stick. Yeah, and that that's what she says. And I, to that is where I say I don't think it's hard enough because I think Jessica Chastain never uh, – as – our surrogate into the film, she never says torture is wrong. She never feels like torture is wrong. She feels like it's a it's a an appropriate means, and that's I do at the end of the day though think that the film comes down pro torture. I'm sorry, anti torture though, just not hard enough. Well, but not, and, and you're dead on. The movie she is pro torture, but at the end of the film though, do you think that I mean because she is very much no, I think she's an, I think she's she's anti vengeance, but I don't think she's anti torture. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Fair, 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 fair enough point. Because, uh, because it, it, for me, that, that that's the trouble. Reka side. I, I think, I think Maya still says, if it gets, if it gets what we want, waterboarding is acceptable. Okay, so here, here's where I am. I, I think what the film does is, again, it makes uh, a very, very squeamish subject uh, more palatable for liberal audiences. Because what the film does is, it does connect that torture happened. And that, uh, but the torture in this film is fairly easy to watch. It's not that unpleasant. It's not that bad. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I, I, I mean, it's compared to something uh, like Martyrs, yes. for fuck's sake. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Except for I know Martyrs is a like completely falsified film, and I mean things like that Fair do enough. happen. But we we are talking about it. For the real life it does really made it difficult for me. I, I guess yes, that makes it harder. But here's the thing with with Martyrs, you know. That that's part of how torture works is a dude who never talks walks in with gloves on his hand and punches somebody's face into a pulp and then walks out right without saying a word. 
that's part of the game. Yes. And 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 to suggest now again, the gray area as I understand it is that Americans never did that. It was always Turkish people or people who didn't have a law against it or right. or, or Saudi intelligence operatives else, you know, while a CIA it. operative is in the room asking the questions. Right. Somebody with less scruples than we yes. would be allowed what to do. What we that. definitely did and on paper admitted that we did was waterboard, right. which is, I guess, apparently okay. And then also the Abu Ghraib things. I mean, yes. th- those things do The, the dehumanizing. And right. The, the dog collars. The, the, the sexualized dehumanization. Right. Yeah. Uh, all of that stuff goes on. And I do think the film – is making a point of, again, sort of the legal theory of if you've got a bad warrant and all the evidence that you get from that warrant from that point forward is tainted. You yeah. Know, it's inadmissible. So despite the fact they stopped torturing at one point because it's initially some of the information came from the bad warrant through torture, that it's all sort of corrupt in that sense. Uh, that, I do think the film is making some of that indictment about torture, and I do feel like it is dealing with uh, the that it not only dehumanizes uh, the, the tortured, but it also uh, dehumanizes the torturer. And I think it does a very good that, – that is where I say that it has the that, – that's what I think lends credence most to the idea that it is a film that is an indictment of torture, is, is the showing that it does – dehumanize everyone no 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 it does it's jessica chastain again i think again the whole point of the film is that progression she is a very she's naive, still okay with it though still, but it she, has broken her she is but I, i'm saying as a viewer though and this mm-hmm. is again this is going to be a little bit of reader response theory but my understanding of the film both times i watched it was mm-hmm. she is softened she is naive at the beginning of this and at the end she is hardened she is boiled and yeah she got the results but she's empty and hollow so at the end of the day, like yes, she tortures people, and and yes, it gets results. But what does that lead to? Mm-hmm. I'm, and I don't want to make a strong argument for it for being anti-torture because it's not. It's definitely not anti. My 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 my, my problem is is this pro torture or not? Then I think that's the more interesting yeah. question. Not is it anti, but is it pro? Well, this is where I come down. Mm-hmm. Then is that I think the film's intent is absolutely uh, to be at least. I would say neutral skewed towards anti-torture. I mm-hmm. think that that's Bigelow's intent. But I think uh, as films and any work of art goes out in the world after you make it, mm-hmm. it grows legs of its own. And I think as a result, the film, because it is making the connections between the earlier torture that mm-hmm. happened and, uh, again, doing a thing where a very, very bad person was taken out, you know, despite all the complexity of what's going on in Chastain, what's going on in other characters, what's going on even in you know some of the uh, terrorists that they're pursuing, the, it is, despite all that additional complexity, it does have a net normalizing effect. That despite the fact that this is awful, it is also effective, and. In that sense, I think the net effect of the film, despite, again, Bigelow's intentions, I think, were, were noble enough, mm-hmm. that the, the net effect of the film is torture works. And sometimes yeah. you've got to let a good man do a bad thing to get some stuff done. Well, and, and, that, and that's where I, I say that the film isn't anti enough. I, I, right. I, don't, I, I think it definitely is anti. I like your position. I, that's where I say the film isn't anti enough because, again, in the real world, which is where we actually live— uh, people in the intelligence community who have tortured will say it's worthless. Yeah, it doesn't get a lot of good results, yeah. And I think this film says it definitely does. You just shouldn't do it. Yes, and, and again, the, the net result is normalization, especially when we're talking about the day of the inauguration of a man who ran for president who said, oh, I'm going to bring back waterboarding and worse. 
Mm -hmm. uh, this sort of stuff is, is, is deeply troubling. And, and the last point I would like to make is, is simply that if we were applying something else horrible, telling a story about anything else horrible, and trying to add complexity and trying to understand people on both sides, I think we'd immediately recoil. And that's where this movie is perhaps mistaken in this approach. Because if we were talking about rapes and rapists – and we were trying to give the complexity of what it is to be a rapist and as a rape victim and trying to get the nuance in there and not and, – and again, to sort of be a ground-level, fly-on-the-wall sort of person. We without, would recoil. We would I'm getting grossed be, out just listening to just it. It's disgusting, right? Yeah. Torture is as disgusting of an act. Yeah. It's a violation and a dehumanization. And, and we're, yeah. we're, we're doing a distantiation here, mm -hmm. again, because there is a – perhaps a net good effect uh, that does not exist in a situation like rape. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, and, and I, I think despite its ends, mm -hmm. the means themselves are awful. Mm -hmm. And this is where the film, I think, fails to have um, a solid moral um, strength that it could have had by mm -hmm. taking a stronger position. Well, because it, it doesn't say that the means aren't – ineffective it says yeah. they are effective i, I mean i don't understand what you said but but they're not good the, but the, again and that's, i think that's the point is yeah, the point ahead. is though the, the temptation still exists yeah. and i think that is I, that is in the minds of most americans mm -hmm. and again i don't want to be like oh rah rah we've got to talk about america but this is a very american film absolutely the, the temptation still exists in the minds of americans well but we could learn X, Y, Z, even though history and interviews and mm -hmm. lots of documented evidence says that. Sometimes it does. And work. I think – so I think at the end of the day, we all come down that the film, at the very least, thinks it's anti-torture. I yes. think so. I think so. The results, on the other hand, we're, we're all still kind of mixed on. And I would turn you, dear listener, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of great writing um, on just this question. Uh, Michael Moore makes an interesting argument that it's strongly mm -hmm. anti-torture. Zizek, uh, Slavoj Zizek, my boy, makes a strong argument that it's pro-torture. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's a good way to find your way somewhere in the middle um, in your conversation and thinking mm -hmm. about this particular uh, film. Well, the Good Trash Media Network's dad, Martin Sheen, wouldn't see the movie and refused to see the movie because he thought it was uh, anti – because he thought it was pro-torture. Yeah. So. So there, there's a lot of trouble going on there. Uh, with there's a lot that. to talk about for sure. So there you go, dear listener. That is our analysis. Let's render a verdict: shelf or trash, else or instead. I go to you first, Caleb. What do you say? No, I, I think this is shelf. I, again, there are some ideological. And I, I, what I like about this film is it really is reader response. I, I really this, do think it, what it we leads all, to this conversation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I think what we bring to the film is going to tell us a lot about what we think the film is saying. So I think because of that, that is rich film. That is rich filmmaking. It's valuable. And if we're going to look at post-9-11 films, there's so many bad, there's so many rah-rah America that are just very clearly having an agenda. This is a film that is striving to tell an honest-to-God recounting of this story through the lens of film. Because mm -hmm. obviously, we, as you said earlier, Jessica Chastain is not one character. She's two composite people. Two or three, yeah, two or I three, forget. Right? You it's know, been it's, a while since I've done that research. Yeah. But, but it, it's important that she's a composite character. But yeah. it is, I think it is telling us a lot about where America was when this film got released on terrorism, torture, 9-11, acts of uh, uh, violence. I, I, these are all things that are very relevant, especially again in 2017. So for that reason, absolute shelf. Um, I would point you towards, if you want to look at other films that I think kind of fall in that same category, I would absolutely look at Black Hawk Down. It's a great movie. Um, Saving Private Ryan has been a little bit... It's been put on a pedestal in a way that I don't appreciate. It's harder I, to reckon with. It, it is, because that movie has... Because it's been so 
embraced by our culture, it's almost become problematic. But I think mm-hmm. the film itself, if you remove it from the kind of the cultural context, I think is a very valuable film because I think Steven Spielberg was trying a similar thing, although I don't think he succeeds on the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is still a very valuable film. And, and, and lastly, I want to recommend a documentary, uh, Restrepo. You want to see Restrepo's what, good, man. It, it's so good. If you want to see a film about the cost of violence and what it has on a human being, uh, oh, like we so see with Jeff, Jessica Chastain in this film, watch Restrepo. If I want listeners to take away one thing from this podcast is think about whenever, sure, maybe you get the the, 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 the me the ends that you want to see. What is the cost of that? Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart, uh, what do you say? Shove or trash elsewhere instead? Well, um, it's a great film. Uh, and I think Catherine Bigelow is one of the great American filmmakers of her generation. Um, I mean, this this film gets 95 thermite door breaches out of 100. Um, <laughs> thermite's fucking cool, man. I don't give a shit. It's it's nifty. Um, it's it's interesting stuff. Um, it's great. I'll show you how to make it later. Okay. Uh, it's one of her best films by far. Um, I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say it is her best film as of thus far, but she's got a lot of good ones. Uh, Near Dark is very good. Her sub movies good. All her movies are good. This is the best one though. And uh, I think it belongs on the shelf because, as I said, I think she's one of the great filmmakers of her generation. Um, to pair with it, other than her own filmography, uh, we already mentioned uh, Ava DuVernay's film Selma. But I, I think as a another film about violence and about history and about uh, human pain and about striving forward for a better tomorrow, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, all the reasons to pair with it, I think, are blatantly obvious. I would also recommend two other films that I frequently recommend together, and now it's officially a trifecta. It is the holy trinity uh, of lady action, American lady action movies uh, from the 20th and 21st century. It's Zero Dark Thirty, Sicario, and Silence of the Lambs. Oh, uh, man. Great I, 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 triple feature. That's the triple feature. I, I always recommend Sicario and um, Silence of the Lambs together because I've seen those movies a lot more, but Zero Dark Thirty is part of that conversation. First, last, and always, right? Yeah. So those are the that those two, Selma, and then the other collective works of Catherine Bigelow. I think her films are really engaged with with this one. Excellent. Well, you know, it's almost exactly what I would say. Yeah. I I think this movie's real good. Uh, I think Bigelow is very important as a director. It's not my favorite Bigelow film. I don't. What's think. your favorite? Uh, I, Point Break. Really? Yeah. Have you seen Near Dark? I have seen Near Dark. Okay. Uh, but I really. I think like Point Break's better than Near Dark. I like Hurt Locker, guys. I I like Hurt Locker the best, but that's also. <laughs> I haven't seen Hurt Locker in a while. That's a timing thing. It's I saw right. that very much in the belly of the beast. So yeah. keep that in mind. It's all right. Uh, and again, I, I think. It, it, as good. I think Zero Dark may be a little better than Hurt Locker. I, I'm not going to rank Bigelow right now, yeah. but my point is... I'm I, just curious. Point Break's my, my pick for that. And also Silence of the Lambs. I think the, that's really what you go for. Uh, so, uh, Dalton, you are reading my mail, and I'm okay with that. So there you go, dear listener. Now you know what we think of the film. I thank you very much for listening to the show up until this point. As we move forward, we're going to get out of this anti-trash into some good old-fashioned good trash, and we're going to roll the AB9000 once again. And as we do so, we draw forth a ball, and the ball says we're going to look at The Negotiator, starring Samuel L. Jackson. One, Kevin Spacey. I was going to give him a middle name, but I didn't know what it was. He doesn't have one. Kevin James Spacey. Directed Uh, by F. Gary Gray. So, uh, indeed, indeed, that is a minority director, guys. Also directed uh, Straight Outta Compton most recently. Yeah, which is a real good movie. Oh, yeah. It was a really good movie. Uh, The Negotiator is a really good movie. Uh, I'm excited to re-engage with it. Uh, Spacey's... Spacey's great in it. Uh, oh. I'm excited. I really like Shane a lot. 
So I, I think that's going to be a big deal. So uh, there you go. Dear listener, I'll tell you my Shane story next mm-hmm. week. Uh, that'll be exciting for you to hear, I promise. Mm-hmm. Be excited. Okay. Pretend to be excited. Uh, I'm excited. Okay, well done. Uh, so in the meantime, dear listener, take a look at a film and have a conversation with somebody you care about because that's what makes this so worthwhile, guys. So uh, you keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandro Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.